Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A hat trick in Provost, says Texas on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. But we got a bit of a run on some comments on Ryan McLeod again. He's going to arbitration August the 4th. We'll see if he gets settled before then. I think he needs to play like 16 minutes a game, and the Oilers need to maybe cut McDavid and Drysaddle back about a minute a game during the regular season. Hattrick says, My concern with McLeod is that he's the old story. He could play the entire game with a dozen eggs in his pants and still have uh, enough left to have breakfast all week. He doesn't hit at all, but he can transport the puck, says Hattrick. So the actual line was Harold Ballard, who... uh, Let's just say Harold wasn't the most sensitive of men out there. And he said that Inga Hammerstrong could go in the corner with 12, uh, a carton of eggs and uh, come out of the corner and still have the carton of eggs. I believe that was the line. Nobody would make that mistake about our next guest as we go off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline and welcome back a friend of the show, a man who willed himself to the National Hockey League, former NHLer and current color analyst for the Washington Capitals broadcast, Al May. Hello, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. Good to be with you again. Good. Did you ever uh, play with a guy that could skate like the wind and transport the puck but didn't always like to physically – I mean, you played in a different time but didn't always love to physically engage. And Because I look at a guy with McLeod with his speed, and when he's, if a guy like that you know, skates through a guy once in a while when he's moving like that, he can hurt him. Well, you know, back when I played, I think it would have been a problem for a player that was playing like that because he really wouldn't have been doing anything. But today with how intelligent the coaching is and how the systems are, you know, players aren't necessarily informed to do that anymore. There are certain players that are supposed to do it. The centermen are supposed to take away the middle of the ice. Like if you're playing against McDavid, you're not trying to hit him. You're trying to protect him from getting to the inside of the ice, push him to the outside. And I think one of the things that happens now with these younger players is there's so much coaching that it really affects their game where they're so worried now about going from A to B and doing exactly like the coaches want that they're not able to freestyle anymore. And they're just so positionally concerned with what they're doing. So, And then you take other players, they're so concerned with getting their hits in uh, that they do get caught up. So it's almost like you can't win. And fans that used to love the old style of hockey, like I still love it, but I know the game has evolved. So I just think, you know, to say that about Ryan McLeod, he's playing a certain way, 
And the lesser two lines on the Oilers the past few years have had players where you've kind of got to babysit them. There hasn't been enough there, and they're not going to get over the hump until they have more depth on that roster. Well, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that. We had a guy named Darcy McLeod on last week who said if you looked at the actual raw numbers, uh, the Oilers would have been better off having McLeod's speed against Jack Eichel than having Drysaddle's line going against Eichel. That McLeod did a good job because he could skate with Eichel and and prioritize playing defense and getting. And, and that's kind of what you're alluding to here. With you go up against McDavid, is you're in a little bit of a defensive posture and you got to be in the right spot defensively on the ice. Exactly, and you know what? That that's the problem with you know a lot of coaches are so reliant, and I'm not taking a shot at the Oilers coach, but so many coaches are reliant on just the raw data that they forget what they're seeing in front of them. What What is, you know, the film chain? What are you seeing on the bench? And coaches get so caught up in it, and they usually don't figure out the Capitals used to have a coach. And I said, yeah, he was a great playoff coach. If he could only implemented the game eight playoff plan in a seven-game series, he would have been deadly. You know, it was too always too late after the fact, so... You know, those are the things, and raw numbers, they don't necessarily always translate. Why does that player have the raw numbers that they do? So, you know, it's just like you take the analytics on players that are on really bad teams and people hate, oh, this guy's got such bad numbers. Well, he's on a bad team. There's almost no possible way to have good numbers unless you're a guy that just goes out there and tries to get three, four, five, six shots or 12 shot attempts a game. You're always going to be on the positive side of the ledger. Tell me this. What do you think of McLeod? Like, you watch the Oilers a ton. You stay up late to watch Edmonton play. I mean, he's, and I, for for the record, uh, Yamamoto got a one year deal at 3.1. Pulley got a one year deal at 3 million. They're both gone out of the organization. Uh, Edmonton included costs, and so they didn't have to buy Yamamoto, Yamamoto out at one third. Uh, I, I'm here to tell you right now that Ryan McLeod, I'd be stunned if he did a two-year deal at higher than, say, $2.1 million. So he's not going to be as costly of either of those two players. But, Al, you watch him play. What do you think of him? Well, I wish he would have had two players that skated like he did because both of those guys couldn't skate like him. And, you know, to me, he's highly productive, but sometimes players are anchored down because they don't have the line mates. And, you know, it's not his fault. That's like I say, Edmonton has to upgrade the bottom of the team. You have to have more skaters. You need guys to step up. You know, as Dylan Holloway matures and right. starts to understand the pro game, those are players that all of a sudden you have skaters. And I look at the year, I'll just use the Washington Capitals. When they won the cup, they had a bunch of throwaway high draft picks on their team from other teams that really fit in well for what they were doing. Exactly, they came to the Capitals at the exact right time. It worked out for everybody. Devontae Smith, Pelly, uh, Connolly, you know, players like that, and they were thrown away. Lars Eller was a first-round draft pick a long time ago, and he fit in perfect. And you look at the players, so sometimes, you know, it takes four or five, and we're so hard on our young guys, you throw them away, and they turn into players, and everyone goes, well, to happen there and sometimes it's being on the right fit on the right team and then there's other times you know teams draft and, and they develop players and they won't admit that they were wrong in certain cases so it's tough and, and I would hate to see them make a mistake and trade a Ryan McLeod because I think he's a hell of a hockey player that's only going to get better he's he, he's a player that puts team above himself and maybe he needs to be a little more selfish and maybe he needs to decide he's going to go out there and get some game winning goals but I think he has to have better line mates guys that can keep up and I can only imagine how scary a line with himself and two other guys that could skate like the wind like that would be against other teams' defenses when they're worried about Dry Settles line or Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, however you have that mix. 
if you could develop really develop a third line there, they'd be a, a, a double threat both on offense and defense. Well, I think the plan could you could see Holloway end up playing with McLeod and Fogle. Uh, I'm going to ask you about a guy who I think could be the perfect fit for the Edmonton Oilers as a fourth-line center. You know where I'm going with. Edmonton needs a right shot. The Washington Capitals, two years left on Nick Dowd's deal. He's at $1.3 million. This guy's turned out to be a really good player for the Capitals. He's been a plus player all five years that he's been there. Uh, you know, he's been above, uh, I mean, the only year that he wasn't above 50%, he was at 49.7. So in his time in Washington, he's been at 52.7% in the faceoff circle. Again, a right shot center, about six foot one. You watch this guy on a nightly basis. What do you think? All in every game, continues to work on becoming a better player. Uh, you know, I could see him playing until he's 40 years old because you know, I asked him years ago, I said, if you get the league minimum everywhere, would you would you play for 10 more years on 10 teams? He goes, yes, I would. And I want to play on good teams, and I'll do whatever it takes. He blocks shots, kills penalties. He can create offense, but he understands his line is to be, you know, create chaos, mayhem on the ice, uh, get pucks in at the blue line, forecheck properly, not make defensive mistakes, but it's all about doing what he can to help his team win. And uh, he's certainly done his part since he's been Washington Capitol. And I think the only time the faceoffs were down, there's some, been some injuries in that body, but he'll be back to 100% next year, and I expect him to be another key contributor to the team. What do you think of Noshik? You saw him with Boston the last couple of years. I've liked him, and he understands what it is to be a role player. And when you look what he was able to do in Vegas, he understands. So he shows up to play every game. These are the guys that end up outplaying the guys who get 20, 25 earlier in their career and then think it's just about scoring goals. I think a Nosek is a lot like a doubt. They understand they have roles that are valuable to a team. Uh, they're, they're not bitter at the coach every day for not getting 16 to 20 or 24 minutes. They understand that they've got to produce. And produce for a lot of players means stay even, don't be minus, create opportunity, create chaos, provide energy. And Nosek's another guy like that. We're joined right now by a longtime Washington Capitol player and broadcaster, LMA Bob Stoffer, with you on uh, Oilers Now. So, it's uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty quiet out there right now, Al. Eric Carlson's kind of the biggest name. There's rumors, hey, maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins make sense. Can the Maple Leafs get in Eric Carlson? What about the Carolina Hurricanes? It kind of seems like Carolina's in on everybody. It's funny how it changes, right? Like a year ago, you would have said, well, can can San Jose even trade that contract? Now we're talking about San Jose potentially eating as much as $3 million per year. Um you know, you watch the Cap- the Capitals and Penguins have this rivalry because of Ovechkin and Crosby. Can Pittsburgh afford to get older? Well, yeah, I think some players are timeless. And, and with a healthy Eric Carlson, you know, he, he understands what he can and can't do now. But last year was incredible. He scored a hat-trick against the Caps. But if you were able to take a player and, and think it's a high-end player that's putting up results, like 100-plus points last season at his age – and he really was the only reason to watch the San Jose Sharks. And I just think you put him with a bunch of other guys that can move the puck, uh, the key contributions on the power play. Uh, you don't have to depend so much if he was in Pittsburgh on just Latang, who plays an incredible all-around game. So it's a risk, but you're trying to get one more cup 
with Sidney Crosby, Malk, and Latang. And I, I really think he, Eric Carlson is worth the gamble for so many teams. I look at if he was on the Oilers with that power play, how scary it would be and how scary the five-on-five situations would be with he and McDavid out there together. Yeah. And, and I mean scary in an offensive uh, way back like we saw when Gretzen company were playing with Paul Coffey. It was just up and down the ice, but mostly down the ice. Uh, creating goal-scoring opportunity after goal-scoring opportunity with a lot of goals. You know, there were people that didn't think the power play could get better when Tyson Berry was traded and Bouchard went in there and the power play got better. I I got to tell you, I think Bouchard's almost perfectly situated to have a mammoth season this year. He's probably going to get a two-year deal in about the $4 million range, 3.8 to $4 million, based on what Bowen Byram and Keandre Miller got. Uh I mean, you. What, what do you think? What do you think Bouchard could do in a full? If he's healthy for 82 games, could he get 70 points on Edmonton's? Uh, given how strong Edmonton's power play is, I'm thinking um, more than the 70 points. Can he get the 30 goals? Because that slap shot is what's the difference maker between he and Barry. Uh, he, he's a pretty calm player carrying the puck down the ice. He's accurate passer. But to me, the shot, when he winds up to shoot it, to take those shots, it's great. it seems like it goes off the bar and down and in every time he shoots the puck. So with a full season with those guys, if he comes in ready to play and stays healthy, I would expect around 30 goals out of him. And I won't be shocked if he does do it. I, I would be more shocked if he doesn't get over 25. Who scared you the most when you played? Like when you had to go out there and front a puck uh, and you didn't do a lot of penalty killing. But were, were there, a, I mean, I'm thinking Al McInnes back then would have, must have been one of the guys, Al. And he, and he was a guy, when we played against McKinnis, guys put more gauze in their shin pads. And, you know, you wouldn't do that against most teams. But he was the only guy you were really worried about. And remember, back then you were just trying to get, they were always telling players, just line up with his skates. But, you know, how stupid is that? You see now the key is lining up with the puck to get the block, not to let it get through. But when he was with St. Louis, you look at he and Brett Hall as well. Now you got two guys that could do that, and no one really knew how to kill penalties like they do now. Their power play was unique, but Al McKinnis was always the guy that you were scared of because he was one of the few guys we actually knew how Hardy shot the puck. But I can't remember being scared of anyone else's shot like that when you were out there, and you just wanted to make sure if you got hit with it, 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 it was below the knees and nowhere else. Certainly, if he came, if it was coming up top, you're just dropping as quick as you could to get out of the way. Al, I got told by a player he'd rather take a punch in the face than block a shot. <laughs> well, you know, in the old in the old days, that's, it, it's there was more of that because no, I, I swear to God, there were so many games where there weren't block shots, and I played with a guy named Rod Langway who played without a helmet and. He hardly had any equipment on. He had little shoulder caps on his shoulder pads attached to his suspenders to keep his pants up. He never had a bruise on him, and he would drop to his knees, stay upright, and take shots every game. I sat with him in the dressing room for five years. I never saw a bruise on his body once. I never saw him flinch. And, and we had to... <laughs> I think a combination of Bud Light and Advil, I don't know, but the the uh, the old days, it, w- it was completely different. Not a lot of guys block shots, and then Scott right. Stevens started doing the one leg down and taking him in the side of the pants, and a lot like a lot of players do now on the penalty kill, but 
the forwards would sprawl out. They did the, you know, they dive. Coaches don't like you diving in front of pucks like leaving your skates anymore. But guys would stretch out, stick out there, and their face was totally. Kelly Miller, a guy I put up in Washington, was like that. Craig McTavish used to do that, which was absolutely moronic without a helmet. And it was just a completely different game. But, you know, once again, the power plays weren't as smart back then as they are now. Yeah. Almost every power play in the league was identical. And guys would stand around, so it was a matter of playing your angles. But certain guys, block shots, Dave Langevin, to go way, way back, how he did it. But uh, it used to amaze me with Rod, and we had to get on him in alumni games. So if we were playing another alumni team, he'd be blocking shots. Oh, come on. Game after that, come after on. After not putting his equipment on for a year. Oh, yeah, it was just insane what he used to do. I, I've screamed at guys that block shots in men's league. I'm like, what are you doing? If you're paying to be here? Don't be blocking shots. There's a guy in the net that's jobs to stop the puck. All right. Uh, hey, I'm going to take you down a trip down memory lane. Did you ever jump in the gym like uh, and do a little sparring? Yes, I did. Yep. Uh, here in town? Like, did you go down a Panther gym or anything like that? Oh, I was one of the first guys that started that. I think uh, Dave Semenko was the first guy to go down there all the time. And I, I didn't realize that when I went down there, Marty had been down there a little bit. But I used to train. I went there and I started training quite a bit. And uh, smelly old place and some great boxers down there that you would never know were any good at throwing their hands around. And if you picked the fight with those guys and you were in a bar, most of them were bouncers all over town and bartenders and they would kick your ass. So uh, <laughs> I, I learned in a hurry how tough it is to spar. It's not the easiest thing in the world, no matter how many, how big you think you have them. Well, we're going to bring uh, uh we're going to bring Kenny Lacusta in the studio a couple of weeks from now when I get back. And uh, I know that he told me about sparring with, I mean, this guy, this guy's sparred with some of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Uh, but uh, I, I, you were obviously surprised a little bit, right? When, when, just in terms of speed and the quickness of what those guys could do once they got in the ring with yeah, you. I, I used to see Ken down there all the time. And there's no way I would ever go in the ring, but I used to see him in there and it was scary. And then I had a, a guy the first time I ever went in, and my guys told me, the guys I trained with trained this guy. And they said, we just want you to get used to it in there. And I went in, and he was out of shape, a, a bartender. His name was Troy. I can't remember the last name right now. Uh, was a Canadian Golden Gloves silver medalist, at like light heavyweight. And his first left jab went through my gloves and nailed me right in the beak, and I must have thrown about 300 left jabs for the first round. By the time the three rounds were over, I swear to God, I had a 12-pack. <laughs> I was so uptight. It was unbelievable. So guys who are really good at that, I've got a son that's a Golden Gloves boxer, and uh, they're devastating, and people don't understand what they're getting into when they mess around with those oh, guys. I know those guys know what they're doing. Uh, all right. Well, uh, hey, Al, thanks for joining us here on Oilers Now, taking us a bit of a trip down memory lane, and maybe if uh, you're available, we'll reach out in a couple weeks. Okay, I will be. I'll talk to you soon. Take you care. Be- you bet. That is... Uh, Al May, who played roughly 400 games in the National Hockey League, he's told the story before, showing up in uh, training camp and fighting uh, in the warm-up with the owners with Kevin McClellan. Uh, you ever done that, Brendan? You ever go down to the gym and uh, slip on uh, 
Yo, Escott, have you ever slip on uh, the gloves with some guys that actually know what they're doing? Yeah, okay, so um, when I was working the beat for Nate Newswatch, I was still a student at the time. They had a feature, and you had to go and learn a sport, and I thought I was going to go learn how to box, right? And yeah. I didn't really do a lot of learning so much as we just did some warm-up drills, and then in you go sparring. Uh, yeah, the second somebody knows what they're doing and you don't, <laughs> look out. I grew up with the Matia brothers on the south side. Uh, we were the poor kids, and... And they were the double whammy. And the double whammy is they both could box and they could both wrestle. You had no chance. Like none whatsoever. They just pick you apart. And if you did, like it was, uh, they couldn't, neither guy was a particularly great skater. So on the ice, yeah, but the moment you were off the ice, and I think both of them at one time or another ended up representing Canada, at least at the Commonwealth Games level in uh, in wrestling. Uh, but they were exceptional athletes and really tough. Like, I mean, tough guys, hard-nosed guys. Didn't even phase them if you hit them. And, uh, and they'd get about four in for every one of your shots. So it was no chance. Like, you, had, you weren't even going to tie. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have kind of experienced that where you, you, you come to the realization... Yeah, I'm not winning this one. <laughs> All right, it's 12.52 at Edmonton. We'll blast through some texts when we return on Oilers Now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Man, oh man, oh man, do we have some smart people that text this show on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. I have never thought of this guy as a comparable, but Fletch from Calgary says, Bob, Bouchard is today's Tom Bladen. With that slap shot. Brendan, Tom Bladen was a little bit before your time, uh, but he played for the Edmonton Oil Kings. He was a second-round draft choice of the Flyers in 1972 and stepped right into the NHL the next year. Had very similar numbers to Bush's full year, first full year in the NHL. He was a six foot, one hundred ninety five pound right shot defenseman. He won back to back Stanley Cups with Philly in seventy four and seventy five. He has an eight-point game as a defenseman. He and Paul Coffey, off the top of my head, are two of the guys. And you know what? Real heavy shot. Uh, five times had double-digit goals. And he didn't play in the 80s when goal scoring went way up. Not a bad comparable. Tom Bladen. Oh, and he had big plus-minus numbers, too, with the Flyers. So... Star player with the Edmonton Oil Kings in the early 1970s was Tom Bladen. 
on a team that featured Don Kozak, who played for the Kings in the, in the uh, NHL. Uh, Darcy Rhoda would have been on that team at that time, played for the Vancouver Canucks. Phil Russell, who was captain of the Flames when they first moved from Atlanta to Calgary. He was on that team. Uh, Keith Mackey was involved in the car business for a long, long time in town. Those were uh, some of the... Uh, Names that you would come across, Larry Hendricks and Doug Sotart. Doug Sotart was a uh, sort of a backup goalie for a number of years with the Canadians organization, spent some time in Winnipeg as well. Those were the guys. Well, was, was, was Gronk not on those teams at that time? I'm just trying to think, when did, uh, when did Harold Snaps come in? He must have been in the next year. Uh, one of the greatest nicknames of all time, Gronk. Long before there was Rob Gronkowski, there was Gronk, which was Harold Snaps from the Edmonton Oil Kings in the early 1970s. And that was from the show The Hilarious House of Frightenstein, which was a uh, a local classic, a Canadian classic. I think it was uh, originally broadcast out of CHCH-TV in Hamilton. All right, again, you can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. The Oilers Now Injury Report's brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Jim uh, James Brown, Jim Brown and Trent Brown, big supporters of the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Elks. Speaking of the Edmonton Elks, Brendan, you were down there yesterday. Uh, James H. Brown, they get you the best results, 250-plus years of experience. How's the injury situation look for the Elks right now? Uh, well, I it's AC Leonard. That's kind of the latest questionable one, I would say. And AC is obviously a veteran presence there on the defensive line. He's had a couple of penalties, but when he's not jumping offside, he's been sacking the quarterback this year. So uh, tough to see, you know, if he does end up sitting out because the run defense needs every last bit of help it can get. And the pass rushing has been one of the strengths. Yeah, uh, Hamilton. By the way, in town tomorrow night. What time's uh, countdown to kickoff at? Uh, Five thirty. The coverage. Starts here on 6.30, Chad. 7 o'clock game time from Commonwealth. Of course, they're trying to end not only that 19-game home losing streak, but they're at the second-longest overall losing streak in franchise history now with nine consecutive losses dating back to last season. So, you know, something's got to give at some point here. When was, it, when was the longest losing streak? I, I wouldn't even... 1963 to 1964. Oh, that was, was that around the time that Jackie Parker got traded? I'm thinking it might have been. I think he got... He, he got he maybe got moved in in around that time and, and of course they were unbelievable from 54 55 56 actually had a better team in 57 but didn't come out of the uh, west that year made it to the great cup again in 1960 uh, wow all right uh, and is hamilton good What's their record? <laughs> Not really. They signed Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback, and then he got hurt in the first game. So they are 1-3, and that one win happened last week over Ottawa, where their quarterback blew out his Achilles tendon. So, Not the been, same depth of quarterback in the leagues right now. It's been a mess. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll see what happens. I, I liked your tweet on uh, the other night, too. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> uh, let's go off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. We're going to do something a little bit different coming up with Jack Hookson from Pro-Am Sports when we return on Oilers now.